Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. We'll go ahead and get right into the message this morning. Uh, I'm going to... I want to talk to you today on the importance of Holy Spirit, the importance of Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm going to read Acts uh, from Acts 1 and, and Acts 2 to get us started this morning. Acts 1 verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And Acts 2 starting in verse 38, it says, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here with us today. We ask your blessing upon this message and, and your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, as you can tell uh, from Jill opening this morning, today is Pentecost Sunday. I may need to pencil her in to preach next year's Pentecost Sunday message. Uh, she did a good job. But uh, last week we talked about being free from the law and about how it's not just about being free from something. We're actually freed to something. We're freed to live a life led by uh, the Spirit. And so, since today is Pentecost Sunday, there's going to be preachers preaching all over the world um, about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and about Acts chapter 2. And so I'm going to go in a a little bit, a little different direction or or at least a little, a little different approach. And so what I want to accomplish here or my goal is to uh, get us to see uh, first and foremost that Holy Spirit is God and then to see that he is very uh, important uh, to our lives. And so I'd like for us all to just uh, check ourselves on how we think about Holy Spirit. When, uh, when we hear about Holy Spirit, what, what thoughts are coming to our mind? How is he, is he referenced? Uh, uh, because he's just so important to us, even though we might not realize it. And so if those thoughts need to change, then I want us all to change those thoughts. And uh, a, a reason behind this somewhat, I guess, uh, the idea for this message um, comes from one of my favorite volleyball players. And uh, one of my favorite volleyball players is, uh, is Karch Karai. Uh, and actually, Karch is not his real name. It's, hung- it's Hungarian for... Karchi is Hungarian for Charlie. So I guess Karch is Hungarian for Chuck, but his name is Charles. So it ended up Karch Karai, and he's famous for it. So, But he is uh, the Michael Jordan of volleyball. Um, he won uh, in college... He won the championships, and uh, he won uh, Olympic gold medal in 84 and 88. Then he won the first Olympic gold medal in beach volleyball in 96. And then uh, he coached his son's high school team to a championship. 
he was the highest paid player in, the, in 1990, um, getting a million dollars to play volleyball, and that was unheard of back then. And uh, he's won more beach tournaments than any player ever. He still has the record, and I think he's about 40 or 45 tournaments ahead of the, one clo uh, of the, the guy who's closest now that's still active. Um, and uh, he ended up taking over the women's national team and won the gold medal at the last Olympics as the coach for them. And so when he took over the women's team, he's, he's a very smart guy. He was going to be a doctor before he realized, his dad's a doctor, before he realized he could make it just as much money playing ball. And so what he did, uh, he's always tries to be the smartest guy on the court. So he implemented when their national team girls came or women came, they had to take tests. And these tests were just on basics, uh, fundamental concepts and thinking when it came to volleyball. And he said to his and his coaching staff surprise, there was a lot of these women that were playing at the highest level. And since they won the gold medal, you could say the highest level in the world, the greatest players in the world that did not know the basics of the concepts and, and, and thoughts behind volleyball. And uh, it's because they uh, had not been taught them. And because they were so gifted and so talented and so tall that they didn't always need them to be successful in what they did. But ultimately, he knew that knowing these basics, knowing the importance and having a complete understanding of the game would be what they would need to get over to hump and win that over the hump and win that gold medal, which is what happened. And see, so some of these girls the playing at the highest level through through you got to think middle school. Uh, high school, travel ball, college, and now the national team playing in all these events around the world, and yet they didn't know some things that you would have thought that someone at a, at a lower level would understand. And I feel like that's where many of us find ourselves uh, in the church today. And I feel like that's where a lot of people find themselves when it comes to the topic of Holy Spirit. We've been in the church for so long, and we've been there here long enough to follow the crowd and know what to say and know how to act and how to respond, and that we, 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 people think we have it all together. And, and some of us, uh, different ones, maybe can rely on amazing giftings that God has given us or unbelievable talents that impress people, and, and so people just assume that you have it all figured out. But I wonder how many of us still don't have a grasp on the basics the way that we should. If we were to take a test today, I don't have a test, relax, but if we were to take a test today, uh, I think all of us would probably be shocked at some of the things we really don't know. And I think some of us will be shocked at some of the answers we got right on there that we didn't know that we knew as well as we did, because maybe we couldn't put it in the words. But, but how many of us are out here and we're we're having trouble following the basic, simple commands of Christ in our lives. And see, there, there are a lot of people that are in the church that are they're always at odds. They're always arguing, and they're always you know, coming after each other. And a lot of times, there, there's, there's a lot of it that goes on because of one of Jesus' most basic commands uh, that He gave us. That, that's, it's deba uh, debated among denominations and believers all over the world. And that's John 20, 22. When Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit, he told us, receive the Holy Spirit. So why is there so much debate? Why is there so many believers that have issues with Holy Spirit? And so I kind of have my own theory on this. And uh, I think that many people fail to really recognize Holy Spirit as God. And because they fail to do that, they never truly understand his importance 
uh, in their life. And uh, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 10 and show you a kind of an example of this. But this is this is talking about Jesus. But but hopefully you'll hopefully you'll be able to see where I'm going with it. And so in Mark 10 verse 17, this is about the rich young ruler. It says, Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered him and said to him, Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Now, you've probably heard that passage before or, or read it. And uh, what I want to point out in it is this this rich young ruler, he comes up, and the first thing he does is he kneels down and he calls Jesus good teacher. So he knew Jesus was important. He knew Jesus had the power to do miracles. He knew Jesus had the wisdom to tell him what he needed to know to make his life better, to, to inherit the kingdom of God. He knew all this about Jesus, and then Jesus tells him, says, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. And then as Jesus gives him the, the, the list of, you know, do not, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not defraud, do not murder, all these, all these different things. Then when the, the young guy talks back to Jesus and answers him, he, say, he just says, teacher, I've done all these things since my youth. So he calls him good teacher. Jesus points out that the only one good is God. And now all of a sudden he changes his tune and he just calls him teacher. He drops the good. Now, I know this is a little bit of a stretch, but just use your imagination with me for a minute and think about it. He called him good teacher. Jesus says only God is good, and he drops good off and just calls him teacher. So that tells me that even though he knew Jesus had all this wisdom, even though he knew that Jesus had power with God, even though he knew all these commandments and he was willing to follow all these commandments, he did not really see Jesus as God or he would have kept calling him good teacher and not just teacher. When he dropped the good off, it shows us something. And whether we want to admit it or not, there's a lot of times in our lives that we approach our walk with God the exact same way, especially when it comes to Holy Spirit. We're willing to do, oh, I don't, we're, not, we're willing to do the not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal. We're willing to do all this. But are we really going to experience the things that God has for us when we don't recognize Him as God? If we just recognize Him as a, as a good teacher, if we follow these principles, everything will, will go well. See, if he would have thought that Jesus was actually God, if he would have made that decision and said, nothing's going to change my mind on this, I know this man is the Son of God, which means he is God, then he would have kept calling him good teacher. And see, that's the way a lot of believers are when it comes to Holy Spirit. They think that Holy Spirit's nice, they think it's this, they, all this different stuff, but they don't really recognize Holy Spirit as God. And when you think about it, we say that we believe in the Trinity. And if you don't know what the Trinity is, that's God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're three in one. They're all the same. That means Holy Spirit is God. But we say that, but a lot of times that's really as far as it goes when it comes to our belief system about Holy Spirit. 
We think of Holy Spirit as the gift giver. We think of Holy Spirit as the power. We think of Holy Spirit as, as the, the boldness, all these different things. But we forget Holy Spirit is God. He's God just like Jesus is God and just like Father God is God. They're all in one. They're all the same. They're three in one, and that three includes Holy Spirit. And if you think about it, think about all the people that uh, are out there asking for more, like devoted people, just like this rich young ruler who, are, who will do everything on that list, and they'll ask for more. God, I want more of you. I want more of you, but yet they neglect Holy Spirit. They're neglecting one-third of the Godhead while they're saying that they want more God. It doesn't really make sense for us to live our lives that way. And many of us have probably done it too. I'm sure I've done it at different times. See, asking for more, asking for sins to be forgiven, but never living a life led by the Spirit. They'll live a life led by religion, which is what this guy was doing, but never submit to Holy Spirit and recognize Him as God. See, if we as believers could just grasp that simple fact, it would change so much in our lives. There wouldn't be all of this arguing and debating all the time over Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in the church like we see. Holy Spirit is God, and He needs to be part of our lives. Every person in here. Now, I know that talking about Holy Spirit can make some people uncomfortable. Jill might have made a few people uncomfortable, especially if they've never... Uh, really been taught about Holy Spirit or been around moves of the Spirit and, uh, or if they've been taught that the, the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit are no longer for today. But if Holy Spirit is God, and since we all believe in the Trinity, isn't it crazy to think that God isn't useful today or that one-third of God's not useful? We only need two-thirds of God today. We don't need, we don't need the whole thing. It doesn't make sense. I, I, yesterday I was looking over this and uh, I don't know, I, kept th I started thinking about lemonade. Now, I've never made homemade lemonade. I just get it from Chick-fil-A like everybody else. But I have read the sign on the Chick-fil-A lemonade thing while I was waiting on them to hurry up and get my lemonade when there was like 50 other people there. And it says lemons, sugar, and water. Have you read the sign on the lemonade at Chick-fil-A and seen that? Well, it's there somewhere. And the thing about that, could you imagine trying to get that lemonade and then saying, I only need two-thirds of those ingredients, and you leave the sugar out? You can mix it any way you want to mix it, but all you're going to get is a very bitter experience. And that's the way a lot of people's Christian lives are. And it shows on their, well, I can't say it shows on their face. My face is terrible for showing you how I feel. Heather gets on to me, do it all the time. We're eating dinner and Heather would say, if somebody was to look over, at, over here at us, they would think you're the most miserable person in the world. <laughs> so I won't say their face shows you too, but there's a lot of Christians. You talk with them long enough and you'll find out they're having a real bitter experience. They almost act like they're upset they got saved when you talk to them. Like they're, like they're, it's, it's just such a burden to them. That's because they don't have that mix right. If you forget Holy Spirit, it's going to be a bitter experience. We need Holy Spirit in our lives. See, some people believe that we don't need Holy Spirit because we have the Bible. You've probably heard that one before. And that the early church didn't have the Bible. And so now that we have the Bible, we, we, we don't need Holy Spirit anymore. He's still God. I don't know why this is even allowed to be preached in churches, but there's some people that do it. That's like saying that we no longer need Father God because we have Jesus back in heaven. 
We would never we would never say anything that crazy. Or saying, or you could just say this. You know what? I I don't really need Jesus anymore because now that I'm saved, I'm back in relationship with the Father. So I don't really. You would never say anything that crazy. But people over and over will make the wildest statements about Holy Spirit like He's not even God. And we just wouldn't do that. Why is this? Why do so many people think Holy Spirit's no longer necessary? Why do, you, why do some people think they're so good they only need two-thirds of God? I believe it's because of two things. Number one's bad teaching. Somebody's just told them that. They've heard it enough times and they've started to, to believe it. And number two is that People are kind of afraid of having to produce the results that are accompanied with the Holy Spirit. That's one reason it gets real nervous in services when someone starts talking about the Spirit. In other words, powerless Christianity is not okay when Holy Spirit is involved. And that makes people uncomfortable. See, Holy Spirit means gifts of the Spirit. It means uh, prophecy, speaking in tongues, miracles, healings, uh, casting out devils, uh, faith, all these different things. And see, many people don't want that kind of responsibility. I admit that sometimes it does get a little uncomfortable. It can make, get you a little nervous, that's for sure. But see, a lot of people want to be able to claim a relationship with God but never have to demonstrate a relationship with God. But we need Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is God, and He should be a vital part of our lives. Uh, I don't know if I gave this one to Brian because I originally was not going to read it, but I'm going to read it. 1 Corinthians 13. Did I give you that, Brian? All right, well, then the good news is he can't mess that up this week. <laughs> I'm sorry, Brian, I had to. I had to. 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 8. This is where a lot of people get the, uh, the idea, and they'll say that uh, uh, certain gifts of the Spirit, especially tongues, because that's the one that makes everybody nervous, they'll say that they're no longer for today. Uh, that we don't, we don't need that anymore, that we have the Bible and, and stuff like that. And to me, this scripture just, it takes care of itself in that argument, but I'm going to read it just because you may hear it sometime. It says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. So they say that that which is perfect has come, talking about the, the Bible. And the thing about it, if you're going to, if you do want to use that scripture, if that's what, you know, if, if you don't believe Holy Spirit is for today, that's your choice to, be, to believe that. But it says that uh, in verse 8, that prophecies, they will fail with their tongues, they will cease. And they love that line. But what about the next line? Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. I don't know about you, but I haven't seen knowledge vanish away. In fact, we're probably gaining knowledge quicker now than at any time in history. Uh, we've got uh, uh, more on our cell phones and tablets than they, I don't know how many libraries combined that would be on that. I guess all of them in a sense. You can get just about anything on there. So if knowledge hasn't ceased, why would they, or vanished away, why would they think that the others have ceased uh, when it comes to prophecy and tongues and all the gifts of the Spirit? But I want you to think about this even beyond that, talking about if you, if you think that the, I, I do believe this is the Word of God. Don't anybody say I'm throwing down on the Bible today. But if you believe that just because the Bible's here, you no longer need Holy Spirit in your life, think about this. This is the written Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. And He received the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or either it was, was it the Word was God and was with God. I might, sometimes I get those two backwards there, but He is the Word of God. And when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit descended from heaven like a dove and rested upon Him, that was the Holy Spirit, Jesus being baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit resting upon Him. And so if Jesus, the Word of God, needed the Holy Spirit, why would we think we don't need Him just because we have the written Word of God? It really doesn't make sense when you stop and think about it. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit just like He needed Father God, and we need Holy Spirit just like we need Jesus and Father God. We need all three. See, Jesus said it was to our advantage that He went away so that the Father would send the promise. The promise wasn't the Bible. I'm glad we have the Bible. The promise was Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is the promise, and it didn't say anything about there ever coming a time when the Holy Spirit would no longer be necessary. None of us are going to arrive to that level. In fact, he told the disciples in Acts chapter 1, don't leave Jerusalem. Don't do anything until you're baptized with the Holy Spirit. And for uh, all the people that, that have been taught that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessary, imagine what was going on in this picture. Imagine these guys. They spent all this time with Jesus, watching Him do everything, learning from Him, asking questions, uh, living with Him. And they've seen Him perform countless miracles. They've helped take part in some of those miracles. Uh, he sent them out with authority, and they were able to go and heal people and cast out devils and do amazing things. And uh, now they've seen him crucified. They've seen him uh, that he was risen from the dead. So they've spent time with the resurrected Christ. And now uh, he's, uh, he's been teaching them for somewhere around 40 days after being raised from the dead. And so they've literally spent time with the risen Lord. So I would say that definitely makes them believers. They actually saw him risen. And so they've accepted Jesus as Savior, and they've, they've watched Him even ascend into heaven. And so can you imagine what they were feeling, the emotions, the adrenaline? These guys are probably pumped up and ready to go win the world for the kingdom of God. They've got all of these unbelievable stories to tell people and to testify about that they want to share. And Jesus says, hey, don't go anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. You need to just wait because you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have the types of personal stories to tell like these guys had to tell. I, don't, I haven't experienced those kind of experiences where I lived with Jesus for three years and I saw him after he was risen from the dead and he taught me for 40 days and he, he sent me out and all these things happened. I don't have those kind of experiences to look back on uh, or to fall back on when I'm going through a tough time or when the enemy's coming against me. Now, if they, these guys who had those kind of experiences, who had done these kind of things with Christ, if they needed the Holy Spirit to go out and be a witness and face the world for Jesus, then why would I think I don't need Him? Why would I think the Holy Spirit's no longer necessary? Holy Spirit is God, and we need Him in our lives. And since we know that Jesus wants us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we know that we need Him, the next thing we need to realize is that to have Him or to be baptized in Him means all of Him. Not just the parts we're comfortable with, but every part, even the things that make us uncomfortable. Now, 
You might find this hard to believe, but there are some things about me that are uncomfortable for Heather to live with. Um, and there's actually some things about her that I'm uncomfortable with from, from time to time. And I use that example because as being a husband and wife, when you move in together, when someone moves in, you have the comfortable and the uncomfortable. I don't care who they are or how perfect you think they are when you're dating them. When you move in, there's some things that are uncomfortable. In fact, I enjoy some of the things that I do that make Heather uncomfortable and try to do them every chance I get, to be honest. But, <laughs> but there's just some stuff that's uncomfortable there. And what's comfortable for me may not be comfortable for you. And what's comfortable for you might be extremely uncomfortable for me. But since, uh, and I don't want to get into every little detail of every gift. I'm just going to say a few things about the most controversial things that seems to make everybody uncomfortable. Uh, and see, there are many Christians, they're fine with you talking about the Spirit, talking about the gifts of the Spirit, talking about being led by the Spirit. But they get real uncomfortable when someone brings up speaking in tongues. That just bothers so many people for some reason. And I want to go ahead and say there's a difference in uh, operating in the gift of tongues and speaking in tongues as far as in your prayer language. Um, and we won't get into that either. But there's, there is a difference. And so people will ask, why do you have to speak in tongues? And uh, my question back to them is always, why would you not want to? Why would, why would you not want to do it? And so uh, the Bible tells us that speaking in tongues builds you up. It says it edifies yourself. And I know a lot of people preach on that as a bad thing in a negative way. That some, you know, but every now and then we need to be built up. And so speaking in tongues, is, is, it's, it's how you pray when you don't know what to pray and you don't know how to pray. I don't know about you, but there are some things that i got to pray about that I don't just... I don't, I usually start my prayer off with, hey, I really don't know what to say about this. I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to even get started. But I can pray in my prayer language, and the Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. He knows exactly how to pray. So why would you not want to? And look, I know that there are some people out there that have made speaking in tongues a false god. We, if you're around any, any spirit-filled, spirit-believing place long enough, you'll see people like that. They focus everything Everything is about speaking in tongues, and none of it has anything to do with Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about realizing the need for Holy Spirit in, in our lives. I, you name it, I've probably seen it. And I've even had some conversations with a, uh, a few different leaders, accomplished leaders actually in ministry, and, and just, I just told them straight out how ridiculous some of the statements of rhetoric that I've heard come out of the pulpits from time to time about speaking in tongues and have nothing to do with Holy Spirit. I've been there. Hey, I've been in those altar services where you get spit on and shook and slapped. I've been, I've been that guy. But none of that changes the fact that speaking in tongues is part of receiving the Holy Spirit. It is. It's one of the gifts. And we should desire all the gifts. But it's one of the gifts, and it was always the, uh, the initial evidence that showed people had actually received the Holy Spirit uh, in the Bible. We should want every gift. My kids don't ever turn down a gift. They, they always, whatever I got, they're willing to take it. And God gives better gifts than any of us ever could. Why would we not want to? Why would we not want to pursue it? Uh, Heather's parents have been nice enough to 
take me to Disney World a few times. Uh, and when I say take me to Disney World, they paid the bill, so that's even better. And they've taken us uh, quite a few times. And I, when you think about that, or when I think about that, when I was telling people, they, were, they find out that I'm going to Disney World, never one time did I use this phrase, yeah, I have to go to Disney World. Yeah, you went, oh, y'all went to Disney World last year? Yeah, I had to. I had no choice. I had to do it. I always tell them, I get to go. I'm going to Disney again. I get to go again. And uh, if you hate Disney, sorry, but you know, I, I get to go. I never say I have to go. So you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to. It's one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a comforter, a teacher, a helper. And sometimes he teaches comforts and helps in English, and sometimes he does it in a heavenly language. I don't know. And so uh, uh, we need to realize this and begin thinking about the Holy Spirit. When you think about Holy Spirit, have you thought about Him being God? Have you thought, thought about the importance in your life? See, if you've received Holy Spirit, I hope this gets you to, to see your need to continue going after Him. Not just to let Him be an afterthought or, or just a thought of when you need to, a miracle, you need a move or, or, or operate in power. And if you've never received Holy Spirit, then I hope this gets you to think about how important it is to not do away with one-third of the Godhead. We need the whole thing. We need all of God. Jesus wants you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I really wanted to cause us all to think about this and think about these things and uh, hopefully uh, go after Holy Spirit like never before. And uh, if you don't get anything from this message or didn't get anything from this message because I'm almost finished, get this. The Holy Spirit is not optional. He is essential. You need Holy Spirit in your life. You need Him operating in your life. You need to be communicating uh, with Him. And uh, it doesn't always have to be anything crazy. I always thought it had to be something crazy because I had seen a lot of crazy things uh, growing up in the church. And because I thought it had to be something crazy, it really held me back. I don't know, maybe somebody else in here this has happened to you. But, um, but uh, sometimes I've come to find out that some people are just crazy, and the Holy Spirit didn't have anything to do with it. But it's okay if it does go that way, but, uh, but um, I've had people tell me all kind of nutty things when I was in the altar seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I would just, I don't know, it's just like a fear would come over me. And uh, I was fine when I'm about halfway down because sometimes there'd be a long line. But once it was my, I was up, once I was on deck, it would just be like my brain would just, it would beat me every time. And uh, well, a lot of it was because I had these crazy preconceived ideas of what, I, what to expect. And sometimes I think you're better off when you just, uh, not when you're clueless, but you don't have anything already, already built up uh, built up in your mind and um, I, I don't have a secret formula I just know Jesus wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and I know sometimes we make things way way uh, too complicated I was speaking with a 10 year old about this years ago 
And uh, that's the question that I asked him. Do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? He said, I don't know. I said, well, then we can quit talking right now then. If you don't know, there's no... You got, the Holy Spirit has already been poured out. Yeah, think about it. Every time someone receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, Jesus doesn't have to get back on the cross. He went one time, one time for all. All the sins of all the world. The, the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, what we're celebrating today. The Holy Spirit's poured out. It's just up to you to receive Him. Sometimes we get this idea that, uh, that we've got to beg God. Has anybody done that when it comes to receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Man, I begged and begged and begged. And uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about my experience. I've gotten in so many prayer lines, it was just painful. And uh, when they're preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I knew I wanted to receive the Holy Spirit, so I, was gonna, I knew I was going to get in the line, but I just knew I was going to hate it once I got there. And uh, so I would get in line, and of course, every person had a different formula for me. And uh, the worst was when the guy was slapping me. Now, that one was bad. So, uh, I, I don't slap people. But... Uh, I had one tell me to say hallelujah as fast as I could and keep going. And uh, so as soon as he started saying hallelujah, I just turned and went back to my seat. I didn't want what he was offering. Uh, I had one, uh, I've had them uh, yell at me. And when you get two or three on you at one time, and one's yelling hold on and one's yelling turn loose, some of you have done that. And uh, it gets difficult. And I would, just, I would just struggle with it and struggle with it. And, and then I would have, always have this brother that would come up. I've been at the altar like 15 seconds. Okay? And he's going to whisper in my ear, we'll stay here all night if we have to. And I'm thinking, my God, i got to get out of here. <laughs> I am not staying in this church all night. I mean, like, give it a little bit. I mean, give me a second here. And now my brain is nowhere near on thinking on the Lord. I'm thinking they're never going to let me leave. <laughs> Maybe you've had someone tell you that one, too. And, look, I've heard stories. Uh, there's a great man of God that go, has gone on to be with the Lord. In fact, he may have sold the pews to this place because he sold pews to churches all over North Carolina. And uh, he went, it was years, years and years that he was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, he ended up waking up in the middle of the night and the Spirit had moved upon him. I guess he was even more hard-headed than me. He had, the Lord had to move on him while he was asleep. And uh, I actually prayed for that to happen to me when I was getting in all these prayer lines, getting spit on and slapped. And it can be different for everybody. And they get the, there's this concept that goes out that you've just got to beg and plead and that you need to go ahead and you know, schedule in an hour and a half to four hours to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He already poured the Spirit out at Pentecost. It's as simple as receiving the gift that He's given. It's just sometimes we have a hard time receiving now, the same thing, kids don't have that problem. That's why you'll see kids, the spirit move on kids. The same way if I pull out $20 right now and try to give it away, the first one up here is going to be one of those kids. And they're going to take it and not feel bad about it at all. You'd feel bad about taking the money. They won't. They, they're fine with it. And so we have to get the, this, this thing out of our mind about, uh, about having to beg God. He already gave it to you. Jesus already told you he wants you to have it. 
You just have to, you have to receive it. And so the thing that get out of your mind is that it's not going to always take long. If it took you a long time, it's probably it was your fault, just like it was my fault in all those prayer lines. The other thing that you have to realize is that when you, you're something's new, something you're uncomfortable with, is that you automatically, we give the devil way too much credit. And that's it, that you're always worried that, what if it's not of God? Did you ever have that worry if you did get in those prayer lines, especially when the guy scared you half to death before you, you got in the prayer line? See, when, when it comes to speaking in tongues in your prayer language and it comes to receiving the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is going to place syllables in your heart, in your mind, whatever way you want to describe it, and you speak it out. Okay? And so people are automatically afraid that there's something that they say is going to be, oh, not of God. Well, it won't be the first thing you said that's not of God. I'll guarantee you that. But we get all worried about that. And so I got a scripture for that. When you ask to receive the Holy Spirit, because you, you tell the Lord you're ready to receive the Holy Spirit. He already gave the Holy Spirit uh, all those years ago, 2,000 years ago. And you don't have to worry about it not being from God. I don't care how crazy it sounds or whatever it is. Luke 11, verse uh, 11 says this, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you've asked to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is not going to let something crazy jump on you. You don't have to be afraid. The other thing you have to realize, though, is when you do make this decision, whether it's not here today, whether it's sometime tonight or next week, when you're alone at your house, it's fine. Expect to speak in tongues. You don't have to, you get to. And uh, once you've asked to receive the gift, what I did with this 10-year-old, I just told him before we started, I said, he finally said, when I explained that he had to want the gift if he was going to receive it, he said, yeah, he wanted to do it. I talked to him through these same simple things, nothing hard about this. And I said, when we pray and the Lord fills you with the Holy Spirit, are you going to speak in tongues? He said, I don't know. I said, then you probably won't. He said, what do you mean? I said, you have to expect to speak in tongues. I said, why don't we do this? I said, once you've prayed a prayer to receive the Holy Spirit, don't talk in English anymore. His eyes got big. What do you mean? I said, just wait for the Holy Spirit to lay something on your heart. And whatever it is, even if it's one or two syllables, just go with it. Expect that it's going to happen. And actually, he received the Holy Spirit in probably about, I don't know, maybe 45 seconds to two minutes uh, when we prayed. But see, and I asked him this question. I said, before we pray, and I'm going to ask you before you pray this prayer, wherever you pray, that's fine with me. I don't care. But all I know is the Holy Spirit is God, and you need the Holy Spirit. But I asked him this question. I said, hey, when you woke up this morning, did the devil tell you that you weren't filled with the Holy Spirit? He said, no. I said, well, then when you wake up tomorrow morning and he tells you that, guess what he's going to be doing? I said, he's going to be lying. If you, I said, we pray this prayer. If nothing happens and it's not real and it didn't matter and it was all emotion and it was just fake, he would have no need to tell you that tomorrow. I said, when you wake up in the morning, because I don't care how emotional your experience is. Eventually, I did have uh, somewhat of an emotional experience when I did get baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
Guess what the enemy told me the next day? That it won't real, it didn't happen, it was all in my head. I said, when he tells you that tomorrow, because he will, that's just even more proof that what happened, happened. And that now you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. The enemy's not going to tell you you didn't receive something if you didn't receive. If it, if it really was fake and it really was wildfire, the famous term that they used all the time when I was growing up, why would the enemy tell you that and get you to question? He'd want you to keep going in that craziness. But see, he's going to tell you, I don't care if you just get one syllable and you're like a newborn baby saying ma, ma, ma over and over and over. The enemy's still going to tell you because he knows there's power as you build, build yourself up. I actually struggled with some things. I haven't operated in every gift of the Spirit yet. I'm pursuing them. I'm after them. I'm desiring them. But I thought to myself years ago, a few years ago, I was like, well, first I had this thought that, man, my prayer language sounds really dumb. And I don't say a whole lot. It seems to be a lot of the same phrases. Maybe you've had these same thoughts. If you have, good. If you're really gifted, good for you too. But I had this thought, man, it seems like I say a lot of the same things. And I noticed that when I'm standing next to people in church that are praying in English, they say a lot of the same things too. So then I kind of let that go because I, I, I say a lot of the same stuff in English when I pray. So I was kept saying, Lord, it sure would be nice if I knew what I was saying. And, uh, you know, because a lot of people, they want to get a big interpretation of tongues when a whole group's watching so they can, I don't know, I, I think it would be cool too. But, you know, some people, they just like a crowd. So I'm saying, Lord, I... I I really would like to know what I'm saying when I'm, when I'm praying in my prayer language. And, you know, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. So I'm praying in my prayer language. What, it, what am I saying? What does this mean? And uh, actually about, uh, I think it was about the time I first came here. I hadn't prayed that prayer in a few years or a couple years. Um, and I never got anything. Isn't that aggravating when you try and like really, you really want to get something and you don't? But... When we first, Heather and I first started pastoring here, I, uh, so three months ago, I woke up real early in the morning and, and it, was, it was one of them things where I'm not sure if I was all the way awake or still half asleep. But the Lord spoke to me and told me what one of the things that I say over and over in my prayer language was. And, uh, and no one had convinced me differently. And uh, it's not much, but it was, uh, I started thinking about when it's talking about how you're edifying yourself, you're building yourself up. And the simple thing was, I am complete in Christ. And so I started thinking, I shared this at 707, uh, I think the last service we had there, but, but I started thinking to myself about all the things that I had prayed for at different times. And usually when you don't know what to pray, you're stressed out, you're burdened, you got all this stuff going on. And I started to think, what is one of the most powerful things that I could say when I'm going through that hard, difficult time? that I probably would never say in English over and over because I would think it was silly. I would think it wasn't important. I would think, you know, I would, I would, I would judge it left and right, but that I am complete in Christ. See, the Holy Spirit knows what you need. Sometimes you just need encouragement. I thought maybe that I might be saying something, you know, real profound in King James Version that was, you know, like tearing down stronghold type stuff. But in the end of it, what I was saying was so much more, it was so much more powerful than what I would have come up because I'd have wanted to come up with something impressive. There's nothing impressive about I am complete in Christ, but it sure is powerful for anything that you face. 
Now, what if I would have all those years ago when the enemy was telling me that I really didn't get baptized in the Spirit and everything I was doing was just all in my own head and it wasn't accomplishing anything and it didn't mean anything and it was worthless if I would have just let that shut me down? Because a lot of people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then years go by and they never pray in their prayer language because they believe a lie of the enemy. I wonder how many of those situations would I have been defeated in if I wouldn't have been sounding like a dummy saying I'm completing Christ over and over again in whatever language that was I was saying it in. How many of those same events that I was able to overcome and that the Lord was able to lead, lead me through and that the Lord was able to bring victory to me, how many of them would have crushed me? How many of them would have made me make the wrong decision and take, take the wrong turn if I wouldn't have been building myself up? I hope that I've convinced you that Holy Spirit is God first and foremost, and I really hope I've convinced you that you need Holy Spirit in your life. And so I'm going to do a prayer here. If you can try and... If you're scared to pray it here today, you can write it down. It's fine. But I'm going to just uh, pray a prayer you can repeat after me. And it's just a prayer inviting the Holy Spirit. And if you've never received Holy Spirit, or maybe you're one of the ones you haven't, you haven't uh, prayed in your prayer language for years out of something the enemy's told you or somebody else has told you, then uh, just know that the Holy Spirit, when you pray this prayer, it's just like receiving Christ. You believe in faith. He's, he says that He was going to give it to you. Now it's just up to you to receive what the Holy Spirit gives you and speak it out. Whether that's here or whether those syllables come to your mind today, tomorrow, next week, it, does, it, it doesn't matter. And I know this isn't the typical way that most people lead people into receiving the Holy Spirit. I know this seems way too calm for you. But, you know, I was reading uh, a couple months ago um, with Elijah when he went in the, the still small voice. And if you go back and read that, I have no clue where it's at right now. So, But if you go back and read that, he goes into the mountain and it says, And the Lord passed by. And then there was, which came first? The earthquake? It was the earthquake that came first. But there was the earthquake, the fire, the wind. Okay, but it starts off, it says, The Lord passed by and an earthquake. I'd always thought that all those things passed by, then the Lord whispered to him. But if you go back and read it, because I, I read it three or four times to see what, what was going on here, the Lord was passing by the entire time. The Lord was passing by. The Lord was speaking. The Lord was moving. It was just a lot of those other things were distracting from actually what the Lord was trying to do. And I'm not trying to throw out on anybody that likes to, get, that likes to do it in a more wild way. I don't have a problem with that either. Actually, as reserved as I am, I love wild church services. I love watching people do cartwheels and... Stuff like that. I, I really enjoy it. Just for some reason, I, it's, I've, I haven't done things like that myself. But I'm just saying, sometimes we get so caught up in what we think we're supposed to see and experience, we don't realize that he's moving the whole time. And he can move any way he wants. And so if you would, I'm going to close this with this, and I'll say a closing prayer uh, at, the, at the end. And well, you know what? Can you play one of those songs? They don't even have to come sing, just the music. Uh, when I, after I do this prayer, and we're just going to spend a, just a few minutes uh, and just give anyone the opportunity to uh, to to receive uh, this morning. So, uh, just pray this with me. Say, uh, Father, I realize that I need Holy Spirit in my life. I need Your power in my life. Please fill me with Your Holy Spirit. By faith, I receive it right now. 
And I thank you for it. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in my life. Now, see, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it in your heart, then I believe that Jesus has baptized you in the Holy Spirit. And I believe that Holy Spirit, it will bring, whether you think you have to or not, you get to speak in a prayer language. It's, just an, it's a powerful tool that He's given us. And I believe that just like with every person who received the Holy Spirit in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is going to bring syllables to your mind and to your heart. Now it's up to you whether you speak those out in faith or not. But if you receive, something's going to come. And the enemy's going to tell you it didn't happen, but don't believe anything he says. And so we're just going to just take a, just a few moments, maybe, maybe 30, 45 seconds, and just worship God right now. And if please, if anything, I'll, I'll let him just crank the music up loud. If anything comes to your heart, to your mind, please speak it in faith. Don't let the enemy hold you back. So God, we just thank you, Lord. We just worship you today, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, before we uh, dismiss this, I want to, I didn't write, I should have written this down too. I want to address one more thing when it comes to the Holy Spirit. I have, uh, see the thing about making things, people comfortable and uncomfortable, that doesn't just apply to people who have been taught that the Holy Spirit's not for today. That's even people who have been, received the Holy Spirit, but just have been taught different things by different, what, whatever group, everybody has their flaws. Nobody's perfect. And, uh, I kind of have been on a journey for about 10 years with different things, going to different places. And I, I try to keep this open mind to always go and try and find what I like and not what I don't like, even though I usually find both. But I, I, I want to try and keep an open mind to things and ask questions about different stuff. And there's this thing about, and I remember when people first started doing it and just seeing the looks on some people's face. And uh, whether you're okay with it or not okay with it, I'm going to kind of try to explain this. So... Uh, because that's really, no one raised their hand, so I think this has got to be a message trying to get people more of an understanding than it is trying to uh, urge people up front about anything. But, but uh, have you ever been in a service and the person gets up and they say, all right, now everybody, let's just pray in our prayer language, and you see about half the people that it freaks them out because they said something about praying in their prayer language because even though they've received the Holy Spirit, they think that they're supposed to have this huge emotional experience to be able to pray in a prayer language. Okay. And then you have the other people that think that they're supposed to be able to go order at McDonald's and their prayer language is supposed to be that easy. And so they clash with each other. The same thing. I mean, there's just there's a lot of arguing in the church. I've talked with different people about that and asked different questions about that. And I, I had someone uh, stare me, stand me down one time about, uh, about it being wrong to be able to just pray in a prayer language. And so I just asked him, I said, uh, well, I asked him how often did he pray in a prayer language. I asked him when was the last time he prayed in a prayer language. And then I asked him, okay, every time you pray in a prayer language, do you not realize anything that's going on around you? And, you know, you're spinning in circles and crying and stuff. Well, no. I said, so at some point you had to be willing to, to speak that out on your, on your own, what was in your heart, right? He's, yeah, but he still believed what he believed. You know, that, that type that you can't convince him anything different. And I was speaking with a pastor about this a year ago, actually Pastor David Thurman at Timberlake Church of God. And we were talking about the, all the arguing that goes on about that, that thing. 
And uh, I, uh, he said something that I'll probably steal from him for the rest of my life. But he said, you know, the arguing about can you speak in tongues at will, because I believe that you can speak in tongues anytime that you want. You can go to the Lord in your prayer language anytime that you want. But there's a difference in what, the way I believe and the way some people say it. And he finally put it in words for me. And he said, Aaron, it's not that you can speak at will. It's that you can speak at yield. And that's the difference in what you see with some of the craziness that goes on and the genuine way that the Holy Spirit desires to work in your life. I can be facing any situation. I can be in any place at any time, just like uh, Paul and Silas in the, in, the, in the prison. It doesn't matter where I'm at. I can yield myself to Holy Spirit and begin to, to pray in my prayer language, begin to worship, begin whatever is going on. Uh, but that, that's not the same thing as someone who just, you know, I'm not going to do it, but you've, maybe you've heard preachers that they have some really funny sayings when they're uh, talking about people who just try to act like they're speaking in tongues. But, but, you know, there's a difference in that. And it's all about yielding yourself. And when you yield yourself, it doesn't, I don't, you don't have to be laid out on the floor somewhere to yield yourself to the, to the Holy Spirit. It can be in, in, in anything. And I have a problem at, uh, when, when I have a problem at work uh, or an issue on a job, I couldn't figure something out. Uh, uh, if I have something going on, I just need the wisdom of the Lord. I'll just, sometimes I'm praying in a prayer language and I'm not even opening my mouth. It's just in my heart because I'm yielding myself to Holy Spirit. And so with that being said, if you are somewhere and someone just says something and it comes across in a way that immediately just don't be so easily offended. Sometimes you got to give people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and give them a chance to realize that sometimes a lot of people say one thing and they mean something else. And there's a lot of people who say at will and they really mean at yield. And then there's some people that are just crazy. You just got to know, you got to get, but you got to give people a chance. You got to love the crazy ones too. It doesn't matter. But just, I just, I just, I know that's another thing that, that sometimes people get a, get kind of, I don't know, in debating about when it comes to things like that. But you can pray in your prayer language at any time that you desire and you choose to yield to the Holy Spirit and what, he, what He's speaking. And so I'm going to just go ahead and dismiss this in prayer. Is there anyone that you needed prayer for anything else today? I don't want to leave anybody out. Okay. All right. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. God, I just pray that the things that I said have helped maybe bring some clarity to someone, God. If it didn't, then, Lord, please clean up my mess and help it make sense to them, God. Lord, I pray that we would all continue to go after you like never before and continue to learn from Holy Spirit and be, be taught and to, to be submissive to the leading of your Spirit, God. And, Lord, I pray for every person in here to just be blessed, to have an unbelievable day. And, God, I pray for all those that prayed that prayer. Lord, if they haven't been... Uh, if they haven't been being led by the Spirit in a while or if they had never received the Holy Spirit before, God, I thank you for them making that decision today, Lord. And I just pray that through faith they would speak out whatever you give them, Lord, and that you would help them to overcome the enemy when he tries to come against them and tries to get them to doubt in any way. And God, we give you the honor and the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, 
You can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.